the other thing, if I could go off on a tangent, uh, Miss Lipa, if, uh, if you are listening to this, <laughs> and, um, you are going to be in the uh, LA Orange County area in the next month or so. Uh, I am free for dinner. So uh, if you want to DM me, uh, I am Delta Dagger Music. So that's all. That's a good time to start. That is a good time to start. <laughs> um, well, this will be a unique episode because it's not going to be a traditional sound for thought interview because we've already done that. I believe uh, if you want to listen to my guest, John Pagliasati, in a traditional sound for thought episode, you can go back and look at that. I think you're episode 11. I should know. I didn't write it down. Well, I know yours, but yours is easy for me to remember. You were number one. <laughs> I was number one on bands, beers, and buzzwords, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but yeah, uh, we thought we would do, even though it's a little late, it's actually like super late compared to most people in the music journalism industry, but we wanted to do a little year-end recap of, of 2020. We're going to talk about some of our favorite albums in no particular order, really. Um, we'll mention some other releases from friends of the podcast and and people associated with Redefining Records that we would like to uh, highlight. And, uh, and then we'll also talk a little bit about the new podcast, which John here is the host of. And yes, sir. That one's called... Bands, beers, and buzzwords. So maybe we should start with that. Maybe you could give a little pitch, give your elevator pitch. Yeah, well, the pitch that I've been using uh, is that it's essentially drunk history, but about music. And I I literally have a guest come on. Uh, So far, it's been musicians of all different varying levels, uh, people involved in the music industry. Um, they come on, I have them pick a favorite record of theirs. They give us the history of the record, um, the story behind it, why they love it. And, uh, we play a drinking game the whole time. I create 20, uh, buzzwords, which are tropes, uh, phrases, words, musical memes, uh, that I try to bait these people into saying. And when they do, they have to take a drink. And then we've got trivia sections, some fast-paced rapid-fire questions, music news, all kinds of stuff. And I wanted to add as well, Andrew, I am okay doing this a little late because I, for one, uh, had to wait for Anthony Fantano to drop every one of his reviews of my albums so I knew what to think of them. Yes, yes. <laughs> we don't ever think for ourselves. We absolutely we not have to listen to the experts, the Fantano and uh and pitchfork and i just i just copy and paste that's all i do that's exactly what i do as well unless uh every once in a while he says something i disagree with and then i just i like go complete uh opposite mode i'm like i just swear i'm off like i'm never gonna watch again i'm never gonna read anything <laughs> again you are horrible and you don't know what you're talking about it's very polarized yeah, what's fun? I'll tell you the truth. I've never actually watched one of his uh, videos or reviews or whatever. You know, you're not really missing out. <laughs> I mean, it's like 
Um, you're, there's not much you get out of it unless you just really are indecisive about what you want to listen to, I guess. I would say the best thing about him, which I think is the best thing about most music journalism, is is sometimes you do discover something you would not have found otherwise. I see. That's good. That's good. You know, that's something I've really enjoyed about my podcast, for instance, is I've had people come on and uh, a lot of people have done albums that I had never listened to or only knew the big hits from, for instance, and it's really forced me to uh, sit down and listen to some new music I wouldn't have otherwise heard. And uh, there's a lot to uh, be had there. Uh, I really enjoy that experience. So uh, same thing, I guess, another part of the pitch. If you want to find some new music you wouldn't listen to otherwise and be introduced to it in a funny, casual, uh, drinking game type way, you can crack open a beer and play along with us and uh, hear some funny stuff about some new music for you. Absolutely. I agree completely. And What's great about your show is it's it is kind of like a little history lesson, or a, you know, you get a little bit of history, a little bit of review and opinion, and and so you get like a real person's take on the album. Um, it's not, you know, sometimes my issue with like Fantana or like Pitchfork or the big journalism outlets is it's too kind of snobby. It's a little too you know wordy, and and they try to make it all sophisticated. And sometimes it's nice to just talk about an album as if you were talking with friends which is what you're doing on the pod so if you listen to your show it's just like a fun relaxed way to be exposed to some new music or some music that you already know and love and you want to just like listen about yeah here's some new takes on it uh maybe some little fun facts you didn't know and of course as we're drinking we'll get a little off topic and talk about other fun stuff i always try to include some sort of uh, fun philosophical questions at the very end for when we're really drunk uh to catch people off guard and it's yes. fun to hear people uh tackle some of those and the different ways they conceptualize i've had you know stem majors on the program versus just homies of mine who are super cool uh people and it's it's fun to hear their different takes on these things so anyways Absolutely. Well, uh, quick, we already have one fact check. I, I double-checked, and, and Delta Dagger is episode 13 of this show. So if you're looking to learn more about John's music, and which is great, he makes some really cool kind of beachy, math rock, indie, you know, it's, it's very eclectic. It's really cool. I think if you haven't already checked out his music, you should listen to episode 13 of this show where he's going to talk about it a lot. And then you should go listen to his album, which I was going to mention later, but uh, released last year in 2020, Brawheist 2006. Yes, sir. That's absolutely right, man. Everybody should go uh, stream that and uh, follow me too. Delta Dagger Music is my Instagram handle. So follow me there. You'll find updates for uh, the podcast as well as uh, my music. I'm doing a guitar build sort of mini series right now too so yes. uh, that's happening um i'm gonna release probably two videos about that later on um and just general music memory is on there so love me some music memory yeah um so is, is the guitar build video series gonna be just through instagram or is it gonna be on youtube or those are going to be YouTube videos. So I'm going to be posting uh, little updates here and there. Uh, so far, I've just done on my story, but I have been taking a lot of pictures and videos through the whole process. So maybe I'll start doing posts too. But the goal is to have two videos uh, on YouTube, one of which would be 
kind of a behind the scenes um, actual like cataloging of the entire process. And that's going to be pretty rough and tumble just on my phone, shoot from the hip, narrate it as I go, you know, pretty uh, just rough and tumble video of the whole process, take for take. Um, and then what I want to do is uh, get together with an old friend of mine who's um, super, super good at like film. He, he did some film stuff at UCI over here um, and film like a really well done uh, video, kind of uh, introducing the guitar, telling the history and concept behind the guitar, why I'm building it, the inspirations for it and uh, get like a well done video of the finished product a little bit. So that's the idea. Hell yeah, dude. That sounds really, really cool. I, for one, will definitely be watching those and subscribing. Speaking of subscribing, uh, we want to thank everyone so far who has followed either Sound for Thought or Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, everybody who's listened throughout 2020 or before that, this show started about a year and a half ago. Uh, Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords been around for about 10-ish weeks now. And so, yeah, we want to thank everyone. I was going to give a little uh, shout-out uh, to anyone who's interested the uh, some stats about the shows. So, Sound for Thought, we're up to, which is this show, we're up to 44 followers on Spotify, which is awesome. 270 unique listeners from several different countries and over 24 episodes like i said it's been about a year and a half now so these weren't all in 2020 but we've gotten to about uh 1200 streams total so yeah baby if you've had any part in that and you're listening right now uh here's a big cheers to you and uh also bands beers and buzzwords which we've mentioned is the new show that John is running and, and I'm helping produce with Redefining Records. It started about only only about a few weeks ago, I guess about 10 weeks ago. We've got five episodes every other week releasing and that's already up to a little bit over 20 followers on Spotify, over 50 unique listeners and over 200 streams. That is uh, not too shabby of a start. I know, man. I'm I'm really happy with that. I think I told you that's uh, slightly more. I I would have I was ready to guess maybe 30 unique listeners. Just doing the math in my head of who I know listens to it. So to hear 50 listeners, that's that's really cool. And and uh, yeah, same thing. I'm I'm very uh, I'm kind of surprised by like the number of people who will come to me unprompted and just be like, "Yo, this week's episode was great." And I'm like, "Wow!" Like you know, I'm 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 surprised at how many people actually listen to it and uh and i'm not having to shove it down their throats per se they willingly uh yeah. check it out every every other week and they're super into it so uh i love that and i uh also i think too uh off to a strong start uh is um definitely thanks to you as well i really appreciate you helping me out with this thing and, and plugging me like you are now on your program i get to uh ride on your coattails uh so to speak and and uh, get a little boost uh, from someone who know, uh, knows what they're doing and have already been there a little bit. So, yeah, super fun, man. I love it. Well, you're very welcome, and I am really excited to be a part of it in some way. Whatever way I can help, I'm happy to, because I, similar to those people who have talked to you about how much they genuinely just enjoy the show, I just really like the concept. I think it's really fun. I think it fits well with our audience in general between this show and that show. They kind of balance each other nicely. And, and we have similar kind of 
some similarities, but enough differences to create two separate unique shows that have similar vibes. Um, and so I think anyone who follows this channel or this podcast would enjoy both shows. And it's just a cool way to learn about more music, discover more music, and, and nerd out about music a little bit. So, Yeah, and a, a quick aside, too, is um, like I've noted on my podcast a couple times that we have had a small number of people who have been on both podcasts, which yeah. I, I think, little little aside, I think we should shoot for that more because I think it's kind of fun to hear someone you know an indie artist go on your program and talk about their own music and uh and and hear that side of the story and then they come on my pod and I really try hard not to talk too much about their own music and you get to hear them talk about someone else's music but in doing that you do get to learn a little bit about that person as a musician and I think it's interesting to hear two two sides of the same coin so to speak and and that's actually something fun we should we should shoot for more is is have a couple uh, double appearances on there that's kind of cool i agree completely we can definitely try to make that happen some more and if anyone else who's listening i'm going to say this now and probably at the end if you're a fan of either show or both shows and you have like suggestions or some sort of critical or positive feedback to give us that could potentially help us change things help us grow things please don't hesitate to reach out um, you can shoot a message to our Instagram, or you can also follow us is at Redefining Records, and or you can shoot a message to John at Delta Dagger Music. Correct? Yes, sir. That's right. So, well, without further ado, I think we jump into it now. We're going to talk about. We each brought five albums from 2020 that we enjoyed. Um, you know, some of our favorites. I don't. I don't. I didn't order mine. I don't know about you. I don't think it'll be in any certain order, but. Yeah, mine are in no particular order. Okay. And we had a, well, John had the fun idea that we pitched his show to you guys, Sound for Thought listeners. We we told you about what bands, beers, and buzzwords is all about. So he had the fun idea that we'd incorporate a little bit of the game that he plays on his show into this episode so that you get a feel for it. And if you haven't listened yet, you might enjoy it, and then you can go check it out. That's right. So... Uh, in other words, I've written a couple buzzwords that I'm going to be baiting Andrew into saying here. Uh, I crafted them specifically for the five albums that he has chosen. Uh, I do the same thing on my program. I craft these buzzwords specifically to the guest, to the album. Uh, so I'm trying to get Andrew on all five of them today. Uh, and if you like what's going on, Andrew was episode number one on Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords. You can go hear us do this in long form and hear him uh, try to get all 20 of these buzzwords. So uh, I've got a couple little surprises for him here during our presentation. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Absolutely. As as with the episode that you referenced, which was about New Order's Power, Corruption, and Lies, if you're a 80s music fan, you'll definitely enjoy that episode. As with that episode, I came into it like really excited, stoked to talk about the music, and also, like, it's a fun kind of nervous in a good way thrill to, like, have these buzzwords looming over you and and uh, influencing how you say things. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, let's do it, man. How, how do you want to do it? Do you want to go uh, you do one, I do one? Yeah, I think I think let's go back and forth. That'll keep it keep it fresh. Sweet, sweet. Uh, well, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so... 
Here's one of my top five. It's actually not an album. It's an EP, but, you know, who cares? It's um, it's called uh, Darling EP by Future Generations. And all it's, it's a... Um, it's a four-song EP. They all kind of came out separately first, though. You know, it's kind of been a trend lately of uh, a lot of artists have, like, you know, put out a series of singles, and then, like, with each single, they kind of add on the previous singles, and then it eventually is an EP. Um, I've seen that a few different artists do that. but So the EP is called Darling. The artist is called Future Generations. Um, and I discovered this band in a really cool way, which some of you might be familiar with. Uh, when COVID first hit, we at Redefining Records on the page, we did this little collaborative playlist. It was called uh, Songs to Get Us Through This, um, where I basically started this collaborative playlist on Spotify. And then we like sent the link around through Instagram story and like challenged people to add a song. So like one person could add one song. I think it got up to like 50 songs on here and it was all like songs that we collectively felt were uplifting us and like putting us in a better mute, better mood. Um, this was like towards the beginning of the pandemic. So like everyone was, you know, depressed and scared and stuff. So I found the single down and out by future generations on this playlist posted by somebody else who contributed to it. And I fell in love with that song, that song was my top played track on Spotify for 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I didn't really, I still don't even know that much about this band. I just know. I really love that song, and I, I, I had listened to some of their older stuff, and I liked that too. And when I first discovered that single, the rest of these singles hadn't come out yet. But then as the year went on, they released Stay and Little Bit Longer and Darling, and then Darling included all uh, four songs as an EP. So the EP as a whole was very uplifting. It kind of has like these positive vibes in a lyrical sense and in the narrative it's very kind of like good vibes, um, a little bit kind of nostalgic and and retro and and lo-fi. Oh, lo-fi! Oh, oh man, lo-fi is the first buzzword. Okay, I'll, I'll uh, so that's a drink for you here. Um, I'll have to uh, I'll have to send you the uh, wave file for the uh, air horn. <laughs> That's literally what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, I'm used to listening to your show now and hearing the hearing the air horn that he uh, that John uses every time someone says a buzzword. So we'll, we'll edit that in, and it'll it'll be uh, it makes it more fun and dramatic and stuff. Exactly. I was gonna I was gonna say though that's a great intro, and I think uh, going along with your your uh, playlist theme of songs to get us through this, it's kind of cool that they did uh, one song by one song, uh, spaced out a little bit to really kind of, uh, give you a little something here and there, kind of keep you uplifted, keep you looking forward to something. I think that's a really cool way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it fits the times, you know, cause mm-hmm. the way content is made now, it's hard to, people are still putting out full albums, of course. And I think a lot of people respect having a full album and, and the process that goes into that. But of course, we all know singles generally perform better in terms of, 
you know, reaching your audience, reaching a wider audience and getting more streams, which is important. It, you know, might not be the most important thing to everybody at different times, but if you're an artist who's real about wanting to make a career out of being a musician, then that's important. So you got to try these new ways of releasing music. And I think, I think releasing an EP kind of one by one and, and then putting the whole thing out at the end is, it's just like, I mean, I guess it's not that different from what people do with albums, but it's just in a smaller form. Right. Yeah, it is different. It's, it's funny in, in uh, the lead up to, uh, my album release, it was interesting. I actually enlisted the help of uh, an old friend of mine, Sophia Frino, who uh, will be on a future episode of my podcast, already recorded, not yet released, but um, she worked in the music industry uh, doing like artist promotion and stuff. And it was interesting. I, I brought her on. She had been, uh, you know, uh, uh, unemployed due to COVID. Of course, the entertainment industry hit super hard. She came on and I uh, I, I enlisted her help and she, uh, was a, uh, super helpful in helping me promote my album even. And, and she, uh, totally broke it down for me. Like, yeah, man, you got to release like single after single, like for sure. I had like one or two songs that I was okay with releasing as a single. I hadn't really planned on that, but she was like, no, 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 no. Like you got to keep people engaged. Like people, uh, you know, uh, there are so many people vying for your audience's attention that you need to be releasing song after song after song and and keep people engaged it's a it's an interesting way to do it and um you know totally different take on on something and you can still totally build an album but it is a little bit skewed towards uh the short attention span you know yes i have heard it said that we are now in an attention economy oh boy which is a really fun phrase um i'm gonna I still haven't taken my drink yet. I wanted to get a little ASMR. Oh, there we go. That was beautiful, man. I'm drinking a uh, blueberry acai truly. Oh, I haven't tried that flavor yet. That sounds delicious. It's tasty. I'm drinking a uh, Kroger brand um, uh, seltzer water that is uh, blackberry citrus flavor. And then I poured, uh, actually I had some, uh, Johnny Walker Black Label whiskey sitting in my cabinet, so I poured Ooh. the rest of that in here. So I'm I'm uh, drinking well tonight. Yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, you know what I saw recently? I was at uh, Costco, and I'm sure you went to UCSB and lived in Ivy, so you probably had your fair share of Kirkland Light. Oh yeah, I was in Costco the other day. I saw they had their own Kirkland IPA. You know, I had I had heard about that. I never actually saw it. Uh, when I was in the stores, probably because I went straight for the 48 rack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't waste any time. Um, but yes, I had heard, I had never heard of their IPA, but I had seen uh, and heard rumors of and seen pictures of uh, little six packs of like um, stouts and, and you know, ales. And oh, like they, they do make nicer beers and I'd, I'd be really interested to try one. Yeah, I was really tempted. Maybe ne- next time I go back, I'm going to get some. But just thought it was funny because if you went to UCSB, we all got those. They come in 48 packs, the Kirkland Light, uh, really cheap beer. Doesn't taste very good, but really, really cheap. Yeah, it tastes kind of like – I always got like a weird like uh, like ashy flavor. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's like hard to describe, but it sounds like – or it smells – sorry – taste like uh it was sitting next to like a campfire all day and i don't mean that in a good way Uh, yeah that's a pretty good way 
to describe it. It is funky. I, I never thought about those words, but now that you say it, I could definitely get on board with that description. So I, I gave you a good enough pitch on Future Generations, darling. Uh, it's cool indie rock, guitar-based pop, you know. I can say a lot of different buzzwords that are also music-related genres and stuff, <laughs> but it's good vibes. So let's go to you now. I don't have buzzwords for you, but if but I'm just going to say drink at a random time. I'll be like, hey, now you got to drink. Yeah, you'll you'll uh you may not have the buzzwords now, but you'll hear me use certain words or phrases that uh, you will know in your heart that that is a buzzword. So yes. I, I I trust you exactly. Um, <laughs> my first album, and in fact, I should probably drink for this. My first album is uh, a little bit of an anachronism. Uh, my first <laughs> album actually came out in the second half of 2019, but 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 but. Shame. I listened to this album <laughs> so much in 2020 that it might as well be a 2020 album. When you said top albums of 2020, this is the first thing that popped into my head. And then I realized, no, 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 this was like June of, of 2019. But you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. This album is Chon. It is Chon's eponymous album, Chon. Uh, if you guys don't know Chon, uh, you need to shut off this podcast right now actually follow us and then shut <laughs> off this podcast right now uh and look up chon on spotify or apple music um chon is a progressive metal math rock band that you would want to listen to at the beach with your friends while you're playing drinking games uh and if that is not enough of a pitch for you you can go fuck yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, Chon, um, Chon is incredible. It's basically this group of dudes. Um, right now, it's three brothers and one of their childhood friends. They've been playing music together since they were all in middle school. Um, and basically, these are dudes that grew up in, I think, like Oceanside, California. Their entire lives have been surfing, skating, playing Super Smash Brothers at a near professional level. And... Uh, writing and playing music and they're absolutely incredible uh they have a sound unlike any other band i've ever seen like i said they have the uh chops of like a progressive metal band uh but their music is super vibey and mellow and it's it's not like metal music per se it's like jazzy and fun and beachy um they released this album, this self-titled album here at the end of 2019, and it was a really nice return to form for them. Uh, they released another album, uh, what, 2017, called Homie, and Homie was incredible. It may still be my favorite Chon album, uh, but the thing with Homie is that interspersed with their really, uh, really, really uh, technical instrumental songs, uh, they did partner with a couple different DJs. They partnered with Masego, if you know Masego, yeah. um, and did some songs. They had a, a song with lyrics, obviously, by Masego. They did a couple songs where the DJs kind of chopped and screwed some of their guitar parts together to make really cool kind of like electronica. I really liked it. A lot of the fans other fans didn't. It was a very polarizing album. Uh, I think it was cool. A lot of people didn't. Uh, for this album, they uh, they leaked a text message between Mario Camarena and Eric Hansel, the two 
lead guitar players. Uh, and in that text message that they leaked, they uh, agreed that they weren't going to do any quote unquote robo shit on this album. <laughs> uh, so that excited a lot of people. And sure enough, this album is a great return to form. Uh, it is all instrumentals. Uh, it is absolutely what you want to hear from Chon. Um, I'm going to go through very briefly my favorite tracks on here, but it opens with a song called Ghost. fade in this really tasty little so chawny beautiful little guitar lick and then they stop and uh there's this big drum fill by nathan their drummer and uh mario and eric uh trade off guitar solos and just send the most incredible beautiful tasty warm guitar solos you've ever heard um and it just tells you right away this is what the album's gonna be it's gonna be your boys your favorite dudes in the world uh sending it just like only they know how to. It's incredible, man. I love this album. Um, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to skip a couple of these songs, actually. But track five, Pitch Dark, is another high point in the album for me. It uh, opens with this really spooky, kind of lo-fi, vintage-sounding acoustic guitar intro. Sounds like something that you might see in a Tarantino film. Um, And then they come in with the electrics and there's this breakdown towards the end of the song where they bring in this rhythmic thing. It sounds like they're screwing up almost, but they're not. They're doing it 100% on purpose because they're tight on it. It's it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Um, they also return to some of their earlier, more medley sounds with a song called Spike. Um, it's the boys plugged into their... Uh, Ibanez Tube Screamer TS9 distortion pedals, uh, sending a mid-boosted, distorted, really, really fun, upbeat metal sound. Uh, beautiful. I don't know. Again, stop what you're doing. Go listen to Chon. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. I feel like I said about 100 buzzwords right there. Yeah, I was just <laughs> trying to pick one. I think I'm going to go with uh, Mention Jazz. You you just, you just described it as jazzy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you on Mentioning Jazz. Because that's a common buzzword on his show for everybody. I do use that one. That is true. I I will drink for that. I'm going to take a second drink for uh, doing an album that is technically from 2019. Yeah, you deserve it. I noticed also, um, which I didn't know, I listened to this album a little bit, obviously not as much as you, but I just noticed uh, Sumerian Records, which is the label that just put out, or not just put out, they put out The Joy of Motion by Animals, Animals as, leaders, as Leaders, which was just released as a podcast episode of Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords with Will Heddle, Heddle. of Constructs yeah. and Slender Bodies, and he's a PhD candidate, and you guys should go listen to that episode. If you're interested you in Chan, you'll probably like that episode. Yeah, so it's if you know anything about Animals as Leaders, this is a band that absolutely belongs on that same record label as Animals as Leaders, but it's nowhere near as like heavy and gnarly as Animals yeah. as Leaders. It's hard to explain. You got to check it out. Will and I have seen Sean more than once together, so nice. love it, love it. Yeah, they're a cool band. I remember randomly being exposed to the uh, the 2015 album Grow. Oh, so sick. Which I really liked. I, I feel like when I heard it, I thought 
nobody else must listen to this band and uh like the the track can't wait was really cool i love that one um but and then when you brought this up i mean i think you mentioned this album to me a few weeks ago or a few months ago maybe even not before we started talking about this but really like the new album as well it's really great vibes uh it's also for me from another take, uh, from a different perspective. I have a good time studying or doing work to this music because it's mostly instrumental, which is what I need to do work and focus. So it's kind of good focus music for me. It is. It's it's uh, it's it's uh, upbeat and moves quite a bit, so it keeps you in that focused mindset. Yeah, can't wait to. Um, it's funny you mentioned grow because Will and I being huge. Chon homies. That's the Facebook group, the Chon homies. Um, the chomies, the chomies being huge. Chon homies. Will and I uh, commented that this album reminds us a lot of grow. It's kind of like if Chon did grow yeah. after the experience of doing homie, which is the exact chronological order here. So super cool. That's cool. You listen to, uh, to grow a little bit. That's a, that's a cool album. You yeah. got to check out a uh, newborn son next. That's back when they were still like kind of metal and it's, fucking sick yeah yeah that sounds interesting i'll definitely check that out it's nice that they have like different vibes oh for sure man i love the variety like you said you enjoyed homie i'll have to listen to that i'll probably enjoy homie um based on how you described it i like i like a little experimentation yeah homie strikes me as a schultzy record like if you enjoyed can't wait you'll enjoy homie cool well, what's uh, what's the next album you got for us, man? Let's do um, Star Parks. Uh, their album, The New Sounds of Late Capitalism, came out early in the year. And this is a really cool album and band. I actually discovered one of their songs. I think it was Oh Boredom. came up on my Spotify Discovered Weekly. Which is always nice when you know it's it, it can be hit or miss uh, going through your discovered weekly. I don't know how much you use it, John. I I, I quite I like. I do not. It. Okay, it's like <laughs> impressively good. I would say, like obviously, it's going to have issues and it's not going to be perfect because it is an algorithm uh, and it's based on you know your recent listening and your all your liked songs and playlists and stuff. I don't know the details, but it is an algorithm. So I would naturally doubt that it would be any good but i have found a few you know real gems based on that discover weekly playlist and and that is what led me to this album i think um oh boredom is kind of like one of the lead singles off of this album and it's really upbeat cool kind of rich i'm saying almost the same sounds uh same words as i used for uh future generations there is some similarity i was gonna say they were a little similar in their soundscape but that's a good thing i I do dig the vibe on these yeah and these are very uh as you described the schultz albums uh very up my alley of the type of music i really dig is kind of retro-y kind of lo-fi you know this one as opposed to uh future generations is a little more like old school kind of like i got like movie vibes like uh, there's a movie that came out recently called I Used to Go Here. And you should, if you like indie films, you should go look it up. And they, they used a few of these songs to score that film. I remember listening to this and thinking this should score a film. But really cool like blend of modern and old. I remember listening to it for the first time, getting big like Beach Boys vibes. 
kind of just like that happy, warm type sound. <laughs> Brother, use warm is I one think, of the buzzwords. <laughs> I think instead of the air horn, you should you should uh, cut out this uh, sound bit of you saying ooh, ooh. and use that for your podcast. <laughs> get like a, or I could get like a studio audience going like ooh. ooh wow, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is a dream right. for you. But a drink. Uh, dude, to your point though, yes, I totally agree, man. I was getting um like it's funny you mentioned Beach Boys and like film soundtracks because um the like vibraphone parts that yeah. they're putting in here. Uh super cool. It has that uh kind of like lounge music slash uh film soundtrack music. Um Again, to plug my podcast very briefly here, that episode I mentioned with Sophia, she uh, did an album called Sour Soul. This is a peek ahead into the future. Sophia did Sour Soul by Bad Bad Not Good and Ghostface mm, Killer. Yeah. Super interesting. Of course, uh, Bad Bad Not Good uses a ton of these sounds too. Very movie soundtracky. Um, I've been getting really into that yeah. vibe uh, myself too. So I, I really appreciated this. Uh, fun fact as well, I think I mentioned it on my pod, but did you know that the title track on Pet Sounds – uh, was originally titled uh, Run James Run. And it was like, I don't know if it was like slated to be a James Bond theme or if it was just like, you know, Brian Wilson wrote a James Bond theme just for fun, but yeah. it was like supposed to be kind of a James Bond theme. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. And very on topic. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of similarities. Um, so as I mentioned, Oh Boredom was kind of like a single that popped up on my Discover Weekly. I think if you're being introduced to the band in this album that's a good place to start to kind of get you hooked it's very upbeat and fun something more is a similar kind of single type song it's got really good guitar riffs and there's a lot of horns all over this album that really make it fun and good uh good rhythm and and percussion bits um i really like the final track too all your saturdays at once it's kind of a slow ballad classic album ender but from start to finish it felt very cohesive it felt like a journey it felt like you know I keep going back to the film and soundtrack thing. It really, really feels like it should. You can like almost, if you're not watching a movie, you could imagine a whole movie playing in front of you as you listen to it. But yeah, highly recommend it. I should also plug a couple of things here with this album is fun because I wrote a whole review of this. Well, it's not a whole review. It's kind of a short review of this album on our website, which you can go look up redefiningrecords.com. And also, I actually had the chance to interview the uh, the lead guy, the lead singer and instrumentalist from this band. His name's Andy Bianculi, and I had him on this show. He was episode number 17. So if you check out this album and you like it, then you should definitely go back and listen to episode number 17 of this show, which is my interview with Andy, and you'll learn all about him and his music. That's huge, man. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, you've had some pretty cool guests on this show, man. I'm I'm pretty impressed. I've got uh I'm I'm slowly getting there with some like bigger and bigger names, but uh definitely, yeah. It guys, if you have not checked out all the episodes of Andrew's show yet, go scroll through there, man. I think you'll be surprised with a couple of the names that you see. Yeah. Um 
there's there have been some very cool guests. Yeah. Well, that's my pitch for the new sounds of late capitalism. And uh, what you got next? My next one is uh, kind of a halfway anachronism, and I'll explain myself here. You better. Uh, my next one is other Here Comes the Cowboy Demos by Mac DeMarco. Now, I know what you're saying. <laughs> you're saying, John, <laughs> Here Comes the Cowboy also came out in 2019. Well, I'm not reviewing Here Comes the Cowboy. This is other Here Comes the Cowboy Demos, and that came out in 2020. Now, Mac DeMarco, as you may or may not know, often uh, releases a demo album after he releases one of his main albums. So uh, what he did in 2020, which is kind of new, is uh, first he released Here Comes the Cowboy Demos, uh, which just to plug very briefly, that's about a 45-minute album, and it is every song that was on Here Comes the Cowboy 2019 in order, uh, but a demo version. And personally, funny enough, I actually liked it a little bit better than the album itself. Uh, it was interesting to hear him uh, using the same kind of stripped-down, sparse uh, production, um, but it's a little bit looser. Uh, to me, Here Comes the Cowboy was a touch sterile, you know, and I got to respect Mac, you know, he's older now, he's doing new things. I understand as an artist, you want to move away from your old sound and try new things. And I appreciate here comes the cowboy for that. Uh, but it was kind of nice for me to hear Mac do that album in a little bit looser, a little bit less self-serious way. I think it does the songs justice. Uh, but what I really want to talk about is other Here Comes the Cowboy Demos. It's a second full-length album that he released, 30 minutes worth of music of songs that did not make the cut, wound up on the cutting room floor. Um, so this is totally new content, and that's why I think it stands on its own as an album worth talking about. Um, I have notes on every single song. I'm not going to give you guys that, but uh, I'll, I'll make it quick here. Most of this stuff feels like earlier Mac. Um, you know, it's stuff that could have, the first song I thought could have come off of like two or salad days. Um, there are a number of songs on here that sound like they could have come off of like another one. You know, they've got the little guitar riffs, but some synthy bits too. Um, you know, if you heard Here Comes the Cowboy and uh, you enjoyed the songwriting and lyrics, but you kind of missed that classic Mac sound, um, this is the album for you. Um, he also goes to some really interesting places. Uh, in here track number three uh has two guitar solos in it which is highly unusual for mac um there's one guitar solo with a slide and then uh the second guitar solo is like two or three minutes long it's just a total you know i don't know if it's mac or if he uh enlisted the help of home shake on this one or what but uh it's about a two or three minute guitar solo out just outro guitar solo super rare for him. Um, I know he has stated in interviews that he intentionally avoids guitar solos in his music. Um, but then you get these kind of, uh, psychedelic country vibes, uh, uh, track number four, Tommy, it's got this like slapbacky downtuned uh, guitar riff that sounds sort of country, but it kind of rings out, rings out. It begins to sound almost like an Eastern kind of Indian raga or something very interesting. And then, um,
goes in this song Yap Man, which is like this sort of electronica track, and it has these like tablas in the background. I, he goes to some very uh, interesting places on this one. So I don't know. I thought it was super compelling. Um, it shows seeds of of the new sound for him while also referencing some of his old sounds. Um, I had more fun listening to this one than I did listening to Here Comes the Cowboy, to be completely honest with you. So I think this is a hidden gem. If you're a fan of Mac, uh, go check this one out. Hell yeah. I, I agree completely. And I hadn't listened to this, this uh, demo album too much before you mentioned it. So I don't have a lot to add on to your review, but I do agree completely with the general kind of assessment you gave of like, you know, here comes the cowboy felt a little too polished and like listening to these demo tapes is, is really fun. I think especially if you are a musician, because you know, you know about the process of like putting together a song and like where it starts and where it ends up. And so I think if you're a musician, you get even more enjoyment out of hearing these kind of stripped down, loose versions of songs that are just like, it's just like a little bit of pure creativity, you know? It's before your mind has had time to like overthink and reassess everything. It's just like a more pure form of creativity. And so I think a lot of that shines through, even just from listening to it once or twice on my own, I could I could feel like those those vibes coming through, which was really cool. Yeah, because what's funny, like one thing that surprised me is uh, on the straight up demo tape of the actual album, um, it was funny to hear those and realize how damn near close they were yeah. to the finished product. Yeah, they um, are pretty straight. But, yeah. but you get these little moments. You hear Mac counting in the band or yeah. you hear a little bit of studio chatter or it's just not quite mixed yet. It's a little muddy. It's a little loose. You hear him kind of eh, a little off on his guitar chord or this or that. And I think it lends a little bit more of that Mac DeMarco vibe that we all know and love. And again, I don't want to uh, hold him to that. I think he did this album in a very intentional way. I think he wanted to do something a little more mature, a little different than his previous stuff. So props to him for that. I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, take that away from him or whatever, but um, uh, it was nice for me as as someone who you know in high school I was listening to the Mac DeMarco albums as they came out, like hanging yeah. out in my buddy's car, uh, you know, drinking beers that one of our older brothers bought us. Listen, you know, they, I miss that. And, yeah. and some of the it's it's nice to hear some of that looser vibe, uh, just for me personally. Yeah, I like it. All right, well, uh, what have you got for us next, man? All right. Yeah, no particular order. So still kind of just working through some of my favorites, but uh, this is not a ranking by any means. Uh, I think next, let's talk about Haim, their album, Women in Music Part 3. So this was also like an interesting release because they kind of like did a bunch of singles for a while, and then they released like the singles as an EP, I believe, at one point. I'll have to double check my info there, but you know, they released like I Know Alone, Don't Wanna, Summer Girl, all as like all as like singles. And then the album came out and most of those songs are included as bonus tracks on the album, which is kind of weird. It's like uh I guess they were somewhat associated with the album, but the process, I think they came out a lot earlier. So there was some sort of distance between the releases and I guess that made them want to put them in as bonus tracks. 
But those are some of my favorite tracks off the album. Uh, Summer Girl, Now I'm In It. Or now I'm In It was, I think, one of the earlier singles that came out. And it just felt for me like I've always been kind of meh about Haim. You know, there's been like some things about them that I like. Obviously, they got this cool guitar indie pop music that is really relatable to like a wide audience. And, and of course, they're sisters. And that's just like a cool story of just obviously women in music. Um, but I've always been kind of mad about them up until this album. And then this album came out and some of these songs were just like really, really well done. I felt like they just took it up a notch. Now I'm in it was, was just such a cool, you know, pop song with, with just like a real groove to it, you know, real kind of heaviness to it almost. And, and they included a lot more electronics and synths and stuff, which I really like. That's up my alley. But then at the same time, you get a song like Summer Girl, which is just like this kind of like cool, jazzy, like mysterious, kind of spacey, dreamy type pop music. Which I thought was really enjoyable as well. Um, Track number seven, Don't Wanna, was obviously another single. And... It was, it's just a really pure, it's a short song, three, three minutes, 20 seconds. And it's, it's just a perfectly catchy melody in the chorus. Like you can't help but sing along to it, which is what all good pop music should be like. And then one of my other favorite songs was I Know Alone, which is like this also kind of a darker, kind of more experimental. I think when uh, Fantano reviewed this album, this was like his least favorite track. Um, but it was one of my favorite tracks, so fuck Fantano. Um, <laughs> if I'm even correct about that, I th- might be pulling that out of my ass. But I, I believe he kind of talks shit on this album, or this song, I Know Alone, not being like... I don't remember exactly what his complaint about it was. Maybe that it was just kind of like not concise enough, like it was a little too messy. But it kind of is experimental more so than some of the other songs. And But I think they kind of found some really cool sounds you know i don't know too much about the producers they worked with or anything like that you guys can look that up but they experimented with some cool sounds there a lot of cool synth parts and and just the change of instruments of course on a lot of these tracks they have some great guitar tones of course it sounds like they're playing a strat or something oh baby oh baby (laughs) Mention a specific type of guitar is one of the buzzwords. Oh, yes. That is a classic Um, buzzword on your show. It is. That's been on there. I I like to throw in specific guitar, specific synth, or a part of a drum kit. Those are always great. Oh, man. I I just realized I didn't call you out on anything in your last review. I didn't give you a buzzword. Well, you can hit me for two on the next one. Yeah, I'll hit you for two. Also, I'll just make up this one. I feel like uh, you described Mac's sound as loose. That's not like a buzzword. Oh. I did. I'll, I'll take a drink, drink for that. Drink for describing a sound as loose. Yeah, dude. So to your point, yes, I noticed. Um, 
you know, I noticed Danielle's guitar tone on this one and, and kind of like you, this is going to sound so bad, but I was a little bit meh on Haim. I had, I had checked them out previously and they were nice. They were agreeable. I enjoyed it, but they didn't really jump out at me. This album really did. I was like really impressed with a lot of the stuff they were doing here. They've really stepped up their game and that's freaking awesome. That's something I really respect in an artist is when you can see album by album, they get better. That's yeah. really cool to me. And I, I see that here, um, definitely. And I think Danielle was getting some sick tones out of her Stratocaster. She got some really, really stratty strat tones on a couple of these songs here. Um, yeah. There's one, and I forget, uh, the name escapes me, but there's one where a, a big part of the song structurally is her kind of doing these um, muted sweeps on her strat and then coming back up on the chord. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. And she's clearly got the strat in the uh, middle bridge position uh out of phase kind of sound there it's super scooped it's super nice it's like you know mark knopfler level stratty strat tone and that's so beautiful yeah uh, to me i love to hear that so you know i uh, i built a strat for my last album i was like i need to build a strat and record the whole album on it because i want those stratty strat tones so it it uh that definitely tickles me i enjoy that absolutely Definitely go check out this album if you have not already, Women in Music Part 3. And uh, what's up next on your side, John? Well, up next, we have another Stratocaster player yes. here. Uh, my album is Mordecai by Krongbin. Ooh, yes. Um, <laughs> Krongbin are a, uh, what would you call them? I guess they're inspired by uh, the uh, sort of funk and pop and psychedelic music coming out of Southeast Asia during the uh, 70s. Um, yeah. So it's kind of uh, disco inspired, funk inspired. Um, they are a three piece out of Austin, Texas. It's Mark Spear on uh, guitar and occasional backing vocals, Laura Lee on bass and occasional lead vocals, uh, and Mr. Donald DJ Johnson on the drums. It was just recently his birthday, in fact. So uh, happy birthday to Mr. DJ Johnson. Happy but um, uh, Krangbin's an interesting band. They were uh, super low key, like very cult uh, following for a very long time. And I feel like in the last year or two, they've really blown up. Um, so it was interesting to uh, come to this album and listen to it and see where, where they were at. Um, this is a band that's typified by these kind of um, mellow, very groovy jams, um, very nice kind of catchy guitar riffs, but it's very uh, slow burning, um, relaxing, mellow, almost meditative stuff. Um, really pretty. Um, and it was cool to come to this album. It's typically all instrumental and it was cool to come to this album and hear that they're exploring some new soundscapes because typically it's Mark Spear. He plays a 70s Strat with the three bolt neck um, and he's replaced the pickups with uh, some actually some single coil sized humbuckers. I might be getting a little out in the weeds here, but <laughs> he gets a cool tone. I like the weeds. You like the weeds? Good. Okay. Yeah, the weeds are great. Um, he gets some cool tones out of his Stratocaster, and he's pretty much got a Strat running into a reverb pedal, and uh, I think he plays a Fender Deluxe or something. Like that. Just a nice uh, medium-sized Fender amp, and and that's kind of his rig, you know, for a long time, and. And uh, it's interesting to hear them on the new album. Uh, they're definitely experimenting with some new sounds. The first track 
first class comes in and the first sounds that I heard, I almost thought they were doing a synth, but it's not. It's Mark Spear playing some cool guitar chords with a really resonant phaser effect and some almost maybe an octave on there or something. He's really throwing some new effects on his guitar. Um, you also start to hear a lot more lyrical songs. Um, the second track comes in and, and you hear Laura, and, and I think Mark is in there too, doing these lyrics and it's got this cool disco feel to it. It's a little bit dancey. In fact, the second track almost reminded me of one of your favorite bands, LCD Sound System. Yeah. Kind of had that dancey feel to it. In fact, I would say this reminded me a lot of uh, the Stone Roses. I don't know if you've checked them out yet, but um, if you like uh, kind of the LCD sound system dancey vibe, but you want to hear it all instrumental, you know, uh, Stone Roses and this track, I thought, reminded me of Stone Roses. So um, super cool vibe to it. And, uh, you know, they experiment with reggae on this album. Uh, They have like some interesting spoken word samples over it. Um, But you also get some of the classic Krangden that we all know and love. Uh, Track number four, Father Bird, Mother Bird. it that's what kuangbin sounds like you go to their first record and that's what you're going to hear they bring it back um so it's interesting to hear them experimenting with different songs track number six pelota they do this really cool latin jazz sound um it has lyrics and mark takes uh like a true guitar solo it's interesting most of these songs um are instrumental and mark is kind of the voice of the band in a way Uh, But he rarely takes a guitar solo, if you know what I mean. So it's interesting to hear a song um, with this new kind of feel, different chord progression, Spanish vibe. It has vocals and Mark takes a proper guitar solo. So it's cool to hear these guys experimenting with new sounds, um, new effects at times. Um, they're, They're taking it to new places, but they never stray away from what Kruengbin is fundamentally. I think if you're uh, the most purest Kruengbin fan on earth, you will still love this album. Uh, But I would say because of where they explore and the uh, addition of more lyrics and the uh, willingness to grab some of those new sounds, this is probably the most um, accessible Kruengbin album yet. I think there is something here for everyone as opposed to a small cult group of listeners um i think this is their most accessible album yet uh, i thoroughly enjoyed this album i know guys like me and you love to sit down and listen to 45 minutes <laughs> worth of instrumental music like we love that kind of shit yeah. uh which would be their previous albums uh this one the fact that they really break it up with lyrics and stuff i think makes it uh, available to a much wider audience so props to these guys i'm super impressed with uh how they've handled their uh, blow up in popularity and um, handled their venturing into new sounds. I feel like it's so common for a band to suddenly blow up and suddenly decide to explore new sounds. And then uh, they start to suck or they totally lose sight of what it was that made them great in the first place. These guys totally did not do that. So props to them. Uh, Everybody go listen to this album. Absolutely. I agree. This is an album. I really enjoyed it as well. I'm glad you brought it up and you brought it to the conversation. It's funny. You literally called out 
track two, Time, You and I, as a song that I would probably like. That is one of my favorites on this album. I also really like track number nine, so we won't forget. Um, I think they did yes. – uh, I don't know if you listened to the podcast Song Exploder. I believe it was an episode of Song Exploder. I could be mistaken. It could have been a YouTube video. But I watched a, I watched or listened to something where they kind of broke down that song. And the, uh, the bassist – what's her name again? Laura Lee. Laura Lee. She mentioned that when they do vocals, she said they do them all together. So sometimes it does kind of sound like she's the lead, but she says they don't do it unless all three of them sing together, which I thought was really oh, interesting. interesting. Because I do detect Mark at times yeah. uh, on backing vocals. I didn't know – I've actually – I've seen them do like NPR Tiny Desk and I've seen DJ kind of like – speak into the mic at times while yeah. they're singing. I thought that was more of just a live thing. I didn't realize he actually tracked it that way too. So that's yeah. really impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so yeah, they're all in there, even though sometimes it sounds like one or the other is kind of in front, but apparently anytime you hear vocals, you're hearing all of them. Um, wow. But yeah, really cool album, really good vibes. Um, they're really so good, like you mentioned, uh, creating soundscapes and just creating kind of this just sonic experience. Uh, you know, so many cool layers um, and and just really so many cool different genres influence it. I I agree completely. This is a great album that everyone should listen to. And I I'm gonna call you out on a buzzword. I'm gonna say sure. This is a riff on yours from the last one. I'm gonna say mention a specific amp. You said the uh, the Fender Deluxe. Fender amp. Deluxe. Here's the thing. He he may use a Fender Princeton or something. I may have been off on you that. Might but yes, wrong, I did. But you mentioned it. it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna. That's a riff on on his buzzword. He does a lot. Is mention a specific guitar. So so you mentioned a specific amp. Will be your buzzword on that. I dig it, man. Also, it's funny you bring up track number nine because that one, um, Laura Lee opens it with this kind of Motown-esque bass line. But then as they progress, it kind of has this new wavy feel. It, yeah. it did make me think of you with your um, uh, New Order yeah. album that you talked about. It has this new wavy vibe, which I never thought I would hear myself say, Kruangbin has a <laughs> yeah. new wave vibe. But it totally works. And here's the thing, too. I detected slightly, I may be off, but I believe I detected during the chorus, a slight bit of drum machine and a slight bit of like synth organ, very, very light there in the mix. And again, as a, if you're a total purist, you would say, oh no, Kerengbin has moved away from their three piece uh, format. You know, typically their albums are recorded exactly how they play live. But to me, I appreciate that little bit of extra sonic uh, boost for them. I, I don't think they should uh, necessarily limit themselves to exactly how it's going to sound live. I think that is a departure that I'm totally willing to uh, uh, forgive and not just forgive, but encourage. I, I like that they have opened themselves up to that idea and given themselves a little bit of help here and there in the studio. I thought it totally worked. So good on them. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And uh, we'll keep it moving then. Let's move on to uh, my next album. I think the one I would like to talk about next is none other than Miss Dua Lipa and her album Future Nostalgia. So this is maybe my favorite album of yours. I mean, it's so many people's favorite album. I, I mean, it made all the list. It, it pleased critics and fans alike. I mean, I mentioned, you know, the, the women in music part three being good pop music, but 
this album is like for me and for I think a lot of people like the pinnacle of what pop music should be. Um, it's so good all around you know, from start to finish. And and Dua Lipa is such a cool, cool artist. I mean, it's hard not to not to like fall in love with her and all her interviews. If you listen to her talk and stuff, she's got she's like a British uh, UK artist, but her parents are from Kosovo and she speaks like Albanian. And yes, sir. Uh, mention a oh, former oh. Soviet Socialist Republic is one of the buzzwords. So specific. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what, though? Uh, this podcast, uh, or at least Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, I can't speak for you, but Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords stands in solidarity with the people of Albania. Uh, Enver Hoxha, we support you in your crusade against uh, uh, Khrushchev. Um, so yes, this is a pro and Verahoja podcast. Um, I know nothing about the situation, but I'll, I trust you and I'll support it as well. So this podcast will also be in support of that cause. So, uh, well, I got to crack open the next drink, but yeah, I mean, this album's so great. And obviously if you live on earth, you've heard at least some, if not most of these songs, uh, I think Don't Start Now was one of the earlier ones. Maybe Physical was kind of, those are the first two to kind of come out as singles. My favorite track is Pretty Please. All of these tracks are kind of got this like great blend of of modern pop, but they, they are heavily influenced by like disco music. They've all got, they're all such good dance tracks. Like if you put these on, you know, on the dance floor, you're going to be having a good time. And there's enough, it's like, it's so cohesive, but enough variation between songs. They all have like their own unique vibe. And it's just amazing. It's just, it's just jam packed full of bangers, like from start to finish, like each of these songs can be a single if they want to be. And a lot of them have been, even after she released it, she's been like sort of promoting some of the songs as like, I guess that's a thing with music too, is you, you sort of promote a song as a single after the whole album comes out too. And I know she like has been releasing like follow-up versions of the songs with like more features on them. So like the original album was all her, but then or mostly her for the most part. And then she's got like a, a DJ mix version of the album with a lot more features on it. Yeah, Pretty Please is my number one song. I think that's just like such a cool groove, such a cool there's so many great bass lines on this album in general, but that one especially, the bass line is just so funky and disco-y and, and fun. Everything about this album is just really fun and upbeat and, and good vibes. Um, shout out to my buddy Andrew Hammond, who is known musically as Harmonomy. He was episode nine of this show. He's working on a cover of Pretty Please. And I've listened to an early take of it. And that's kind of one of the he had told me when this first album when this album first came out, it was his favorite song off the album, which kind of influenced me as well. So looking forward to eventually hearing his cover come out. But yeah, there's. I can't say enough how cool I think this album is. Dua Lipa is also like, I think her media and marketing team is insane. She's been on like every outlet in terms of promoting this thing. 
which is so impressive considering the pandemic happened. This came out like right, I think it must have been in March or near March when when things got really serious. And so many people, I think, uh, turned to this album. It was such a worldwide hit. I think a lot of people turned to it because it was so fun and upbeat and was so such a good vibe to have when things were so bleak. But she's got a great tiny desk session. She's been on Song Exploder, the TV show on Netflix, and the podcast. You know, she's done uh, the Wired search engine interviews. I feel like she's been on every outlet. Of course, she is like such a big pop star for this past year. And yeah, just to wrap it up, I feel like, like I said at the beginning, it just like it was the perfect album for critics and fans alike. Like it, it really had a sound that could be enjoyed by so many people and there's no way you haven't listened to it yet if you're listening to music ever so i don't need to tell you to go listen to it but it's it was one of my favorites no this is one where even if you don't know you've heard it uh you definitely heard it um you know it's funny this this is an album that on paper I should detest, yes. you know, as, as, <laughs> as someone, as someone who, uh, will listen to, you know, Frank Zappa and Ornette Coleman free jazz, you know, I, you know, I listen to weird shit from time to time. I should hate this album. And, uh, it's funny listening to it. I, I pick up all the musical cues and kind of the musical tropes of like shitty mass marketed pop music uh-huh. that I should hate. And yet I love this album it's so much fun and it's, 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 uh, it's so much more sincere than a lot of like other artists doing this exact same, excuse me, this exact same kind of music. Uh, Dua Lipa really pulls it off. She has a certain attitude that, uh, you know, she really embraces it and really goes for it. Um, I loved this album, man. I had so much fun listening to this album. Um, It's, it's super interesting. Yeah. As, as, someone who prides himself on listening to a ton of different music and liking, uh, you know, complex music or this or that. Uh, I absolutely loved this album, man. Um, the other thing, if I could go off on a tangent, uh, Miss Lipa, if, uh, if you are listening to this, (laughs) um, you are going to be in the, uh, LA orange County area in the next month or so. Uh, I am free for dinner. So, uh, if you want to DM me, uh, I am Delta Dagger Music, so that's all. Just for business is all, right? Business purposes, business purposes. exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> hit me up, DM me, hit my line. Uh, that is all. That is all I have to say. A perfect place to end. Let's go. So uh, this next album for you will be, is this your fourth or fifth? I'm losing track. This will be your fourth. Number four. And it's actually... Uh, just chronologically, yeah. Uh, and it's funny because this one actually, if you want to talk about pop music, this is another great place to take it because uh, the Dua Lipa album is, I mean, that is pop music. That is, I feel like, the best pop music has to offer right now. Uh, this next album that I chose is Folklore by Taylor Swift. Ooh. So... Uh, I mean, what other name? I mean, Taylor Swift, that is pop music, right? Um, But Taylor Swift did something really interesting with this album. Um, She actually released two albums in 2020. She did Folklore and then Evermore. Uh, She did not promote either album. Uh, She gave literally 
a couple hours notice, uh, like on her Instagram or something. She like posted on social media, hey guys, I'm releasing an album tonight. And she dropped these two albums back to back, just a couple months apart. Um, I chose Folklore because it was the first one to drop. Yeah. Um, So I think that maybe had a little more impact, although you could argue that Evermore had more impact because it was like a couple months after and also, uh, you know, unannounced. Like that's maybe even more surprising. Either way, uh, Taylor Swift, man. um, I have an interesting history with Taylor Swift myself. If I could back it up a couple years here. um, I played football for four years in high school. Um, I was a, I did. I I was a defensive lineman and offensive lineman. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was doing the thing. I was, uh, I have two CIF rings and shit. I mean, I played varsity football and stuff. We had a pretty good team. We were a, we were a team that uh, we basically came into a program that was not doing very good. And, uh, we wound up winning two CIF rings and stuff. Like we were a legit ass football team. And in the weight room, um, there were a couple dudes uh, who had grown up in NorCal and they would put on Andre Nicotina in the weight room, which was fucking awesome. I love Andre Nicotina. Andre Nicotina was actually the last concert I saw before lockdown started uh, up at the Fremont Theater in San Luis Obispo. Anyways, uh, some other guys one day, uh, you know, thinking they were like super fucking funny or whatever. Put on red by ah. Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> that had just come out. This was yeah. like 2013. Totally. 20, this would have been 2012, 2013 was like that season. Um, so they put on red. Uh, clearly something that one of their sisters or something was listening to at the time. Um, they put it on as a joke. But the joke turned into like <laughs> not a joke. <laughs> and to this day, I think I could sing along to damn near every song on Red by Taylor Swift. I have like a weird respect for Taylor Swift, okay? I think Red was an incredible album. Uh, I think she went to like some weird poppy places after that that I really do not respect yeah. at all. So it was cool for me to hear folklore because Taylor Swift, uh, for folklore and evermore, she actually totally stripped back the arrangement and went with these really simple uh, kind of uh, piano lines and acoustic guitar and these very ethereal strings. And, um, you know, it's it's pianos with the, uh, the uh, uh, what do they call it? Like the dampener pedals lifted. So it's just these ringing, nice pianos, nice overtones. Um, funny enough, Taylor collaborated with uh, Aaron Desner, mm-hmm. who's the guitar player for The National. Yeah, uh, She collaborated with him on both these albums, and he was pretty deeply involved in uh, the arrangement and production of, of these records. So she gets some really great tones. I mean, there are moments on these albums where the strings kind of reach this um, ethereal kind of crescendo and you hear slight very very rolled off nice little drum machine and some nice ringing out piano and her vocals of course i mean she's an incredible singer uh, you cannot take that away from her she's an incredible singer you hear her and it, and it reminds me of something that you might hear on like a uh like a, one of the more recent like radiohead albums or something mm-hmm. um and this is coming from a radiohead guy um if you want to hear more Bands, Beers, Buzzwords, Episode 3 with Parker Whirling, um, we talk about in Rainbows. So uh, I know there are people out there who are probably tearing their hair out uh, hearing me compare 
uh, Taylor Swift to Radiohead, but um, I was actually quite impressed with um, the production on this album and uh, the direction she takes it. Um, the first track, her vocal delivery is very much like, okay, this is a Taylor Swift pop song that they uh, swapped the beat for. You know, it sounds like one of those YouTube remixes that you might hear. Uh, but the thing is, is as the album goes on, she really sells it. She does a great job of, of uh, diving into this new sound. Uh, I want to shout out uh, track number four, Exile. Yes. Uh, it's her duet with Bonnie Vare. Um, incredible yeah incredible uh bonnie vera opens the track and they do a great job they're both uh singing about two sides of this uh failed relationship and and through the lyrics you can tell it was something that you know, both parties had had uh, uh, built up to be this movie relationship. You know, they thought they were in like a romantic movie, but then it all came crashing down. And and uh, it's interesting to hear them both come into terms with that. Um, you know, Taylor Swift being a country artist, ostensibly, or at least in her earlier days, um, and then doing this song with Bonnie Vare, I actually felt, uh, and again, people are going to lynch me for saying this but the vibe on this one reminded me uh almost i oh i hesitate to say it but say it. it reminded me it reminded me of the famous duet off of a famous country album also a departure from form of bob dylan nashville skyline opening track girl from the north country duet between bob dylan and johnny cash i actually uh the moment where uh, Johnny Cash's vocals come in on that song and he starts his voice. There's such an emotional impact to that. For she once was a true love of mine. See for me that her hair's hanging down. And I thought on this song, Bonnie Vare starting and then the impact of Taylor Swift's vocals coming in. Uh, was similar, I won't say on par with, but similar to the effect of hearing Johnny Cash's deep baritone voice come in on uh, Girl from the North Country. It's the opposite. You know, Bonnie Vera has the lower register and then Taylor Swift comes in with her high, nice ethereal vocals. I thought it had a great effect. Um, so props to them. The, the fact that I can draw a parallel from this Taylor Swift record to one of my favorite records of all time and something that has amazing amounts of cred amongst musicians and music credits uh i i props to them i'm so impressed and uh her her marketing or lack thereof uh speaks so much to like this mature uh, music for music's sake uh kind of thing I, I was highly impressed by it so taylor swift uh uh props to you i i give my props to you Yes. I don't know if it's just her or if she has a team of people, but I'll I'll give it to her and, and whoever works with her. I felt like this whole thing was just really smart. It was just like the timing for this for this album and the next follow up album as well, of course, was so good and it perfectly fit just the the trajectory of her career. I think it was the right move for her, like I said, or like you said, I should say. Early on, like she had like the country kind of vibe, you know, and then 
she kind of moved into this pop area. And then I think, yeah, that one album, uh, I think Reputation 2017, I think was a step too far into the weird pop. She kind of tried to incorporate some hip hop or something into it. And it was a little strange. So I think the sidestep to this kind of folksy, you know, indie vibe that she has on this album was the right move for her. And it's the right move for the time that we're in. And it was just so well done. You know, the collaborations were such good choices of people to work with. My favorite tracks off Folklore, Invisible String, track 11's got a great melody, really, really cool guitar picking um, in that song. And then I also like This Is Me Trying, kind of has that ethereal vibe that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I'm a fan of this album. I listen, I've listened to Evermore less, but just listen, listening to it a couple times through, got the same kind of vibe, same kind of impressions and and me being impressed by the production and the songwriting and just the all-around execution, which includes the marketing, like you said. The fact that she did so little marketing with what it actually came up to be was such a good move. I mean, that's a marketing move in, it, in itself to not do too much promotion, um, which totally fits the vibe. Well, to draw another uh, parallel with uh, Radiohead, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. in fact, I mean, I don't know if you remember, was it uh, King of Limbs or was it a Moonshaped Pool? It was one of their more recent albums. It was Moonshaped Pool where they they just completely deleted their entire online presence. Like they just slowly deleted everything. Their every online presence, they deleted their own website like it was nothing. Yeah. And that was how they signaled to people that something, <laughs> a new yes. album was coming out. Yeah. Like, incredible, man. So the fact that Taylor Swift, of all people, is uh, following in, in those footsteps is so cool to me. I, I love that. Absolutely. I like that. I, I mean, it, it takes a person like you to give that comparison, which is a really unique uh, take to give. And I, I, think it's a good take i don't even think it's that hot of a take to compare her to to radiohead in some ways uh last thing i'll say about this is i just wanted to go back to your your intro where you mentioned uh playing the album red uh, in the weightlifting room with your football team i had a similar story um with that album not the album as a whole but i i used to go on a in high school i would go on a snowboarding trip every year with you know three or four buddies one of them had a cabin in Bryanhead, Utah. Once a year, we would go to the cabin all weekend and snowboard. But it's like past Vegas. It's like a six or seven hour drive. And I remember the year Red came out, 2012. Yeah, the track I Knew You Were Trouble was just such a banger, like in the best way of like good pop music. And I remember we we started playing that song like in the car on the drive there. And it was the same thing. Like, I knew as you in- exactly i still know him man (laughs) and it was the same thing like we started putting it on as a joke but then i think throughout the seven hours we must have played it like 10 times like it was such a good song and we were just vibing to it and like being silly and having fun and so had a had a similar experience to you which is cool yeah man um a note too just uh from a technical perspective you mentioned uh some of the plucked guitar lines um yeah aaron dresner of the national actually mailed taylor an acoustic guitar that had a rubber bridge on it 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar with these. I actually hadn't heard of yeah. it until I read this, uh, in like the story of this album. I, I read this and it, upon Googling it, I found like Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. Uh, I think you should zap me for mentioning. Wilco. Yeah, that could like be a, a fucking, right that, there. that can't not be one. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take a drink. Take a drink. <laughs> See, you're the, you're the buzzword expert though. I keep forgetting to actually call you out. This is your job. For a guy like me, mentioning Wilco is absolutely a buzzword. Um, that is just so fraught with like musical memery yeah. and just, oh God. All right. Well, <laughs> he mailed her this guitar that had a rubber bridge. And the effect of that is essentially, it's almost like a muted bass. You're a bass player, yeah. you know. Um, a muted bass. Well, it's like that built into a guitar. Yeah. So you can get these interesting staccato kind of plucked lines that have an interesting character to them. And that's something Taylor used throughout this album. It's funny, like uh, Dresner was just like, oh, I found this like wild little guitar. I'm going to send it to Taylor. Like, Taylor, do all your songs on this. Like, <laughs> this is what, you know, it's like, I can totally yeah. imagine like, that's so cool though. Yeah. It's, it's funny, like me right now building a guitar that is inspired by like, funky weird guitars of the 60s and 70s like that's so dope to me i'm like oh that's that's cool man like they're they're again from like a gearhead weird guitar guy uh uh you know music nerd perspective that there's a lot of cred involved with using a rubber bridge guitar it's, you know kind of like jack white using the yeah. hollow plastic guitars or something yeah. that's super cool i love that, that is, i love that yeah so that's fun all righty, shall we move on? Yes, sir. All right, this will be my uh, my fifth and final album to discuss. And this was, I mentioned it to John through text before this. This was a tough choice for me to put in my top five. I mean, as I said before, these aren't ranked or put in order, but it was an album that I thought was noteworthy. And as a whole, it came down to like thinking about albums as a whole for me. And I, I thought this album was really good in its own right even though it wasn't exactly what i was hoping for or exactly what i was expecting but it's uh the slow rush by tame impala so this is like obviously tame impala has reached like the pinnacle of their uh or they're kind of peaking i'd say or he is peaking kevin parker um as we He's peaking on something yeah <laughs> well you could yeah you could probably say that about um any of these albums he was peaking on something but i i felt you know this was like he is really moved into over the course of the last album moving into this one into really kind of the spotlight of just like public fame and and just huge popularity even with a wider audience than he started with obviously with like inner speaker and stuff it was just kind of like people like us like music nerds who like uh, kind of obscure things, but he's he slowly moved popier and popier into literally being more popular. And I feel like that kind of reached a pinnacle in this album, although it was very different from the last one. I felt like it was designed with the thought that he would want to play these songs in front of massive crowds. Yes. That's just kind of every song I was thinking I'm like yes this is like meant to be played in an in an arena or like at a festival it's like every time he headlined Coachella or something he like moved his music 
in a certain direction. Yes. I yes, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. And quick plug, I did write a review about this one as well on redefiningrecords.com. If you want a more uh succinct uh summary of what I'm about to blabble about. But anyway, so I feel like there's a lot of different people who have different opinions about this album. I don't think anyone's super disappointed. I mean, I don't think you could be really upset with it. It may not be exactly what you were hoping for, but I think if you listen to it, you'll enjoy it. Like there's a lot, there's something for everyone, which is a common trope. That should be a buzzword. But I feel like there's there's some good bits of of Kevin Parker's past and a little bit from each album, kind of the ideas he's incorporated in past albums work their way onto this album as well. You know, the bass lines and the beats are incredibly groovy and funky. He's got his signature synth sounds and his, you know, falsetto vocals that we've grown so accustomed to hearing. Um, you know, he throws his guitar solos on there here and there. You know, he's got he's got like the new disco-y kind of EDM-y vibe, but he's also still reaching back to that 60s rock vibe that he's always had a little bit here and there. But not at all times. Sir, invoke the 60s uh, <laughs> is a buzzword. I mean, you pick yeah. prime buzzwords for these albums. That's hard to, hard to not say <laughs> those things. I feel like all of your buzzwords for me have been have been the obvious choices which they should be they should be it's you know i i only got one buzzword per album so i made sure to make it like a really a really sure one um uh you know if you listen to the program i do 20 buzzwords per uh guest in fact the next guest we're doing uh another little peek into the future mr chris sharma uh reviews a descendants record uh milo goes to college and uh, I was actually surprised. That is actually not a compilation of Milo Yiannopoulos um, logic puzzles that he does to college students. It's actually a punk record. Um, and he actually hits all 20 buzzwords. In that nice. Episode, so. Little heads up for you guys. Yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that one. And I can't complain yeah. too much. It's not like I don't want to drink right now. I appreciate the buzzwords. For sure. One thing I liked about this album... He did experiment. I mean, he always experiments a little bit, but he used a few more instruments this time. I, I know on a couple songs or one or two songs, he used a timpani, which is like a uh, kettle drum percussion instrument that is kind of creates an interesting sound, kind of like a coppery percussion sound. There's some sax on this album. He actually uses some acoustic guitar here and there, which is kind of fun because he's kind of moved away from the acoustic sound over the last album or two. But like I said, there's still this like awesome dance disco like sensibility that he's so good at that just makes it accessible to everyone. You know, it's it's indie music, but it's it's still pop in the sense that everybody can enjoy it. I think Breathe Deeper was my favorite song. Lost in Yesterday and Tomorrow's Dust were my other highlights that I wanted to throw out there. But overall, yeah, not my favorite Tame Impala album, but I thought it was really solid, and it 
it's hard to come into listening to an album like this without high expectations and feel some sort of way about how it didn't meet the expectations. But in a lot of ways, it did meet expectations, and it was very enjoyable to listen to. And that's all I have to say. Absolutely, man. I I, I mean, we talked about it earlier uh, privately, privately, but I I agree, man. It's it's like I'm definitely a sucker for inner speaker and lonerism, and uh, I I began to lose interest uh, in Mr. Kevin Parker uh, as you know currents, and and he he moved on. Um, there are gems on every one of his albums, of course, but um, you know, to me, this latest album was uh i liked it better it was it was uh, he kind of came back a bit and and like you mentioned like he brings in the acoustic guitar again it's like he's kind of getting a little bit back into the instrumentals of it as opposed to just a pure like you know i'm just gonna get up there and and uh, whoever's controlling my uh fucking midi system is gonna hit play and i'm just gonna get up there and sing and be yeah. like you know yeah. like it's it's it, there's there there was a little more uh I don't know. This this one stuck out to me a bit more. Like it was always cool for me to see uh like 2014 he put out like the live versions, right? Yeah. And I thought that was such a cool fucking album cuz there is a lot of like electronic on it, but it's all live and and there's a ton of instrumentals going on with it. Like I thought that was such an impressive feat and um it was cool for me to see a guy like Kevin Parker up there at like big music festivals with a guitar in his hands and and a live band behind him and yeah, they're queuing nitty shit at the same time, but that's that's totally fine with me. Fuck, like they're doing it live, like they're doing it for real. And um, you know, uh it it uh it, yeah, it's a bit disheartening to to see like more and more reliance upon just the pure electronica. It's kinda like, eh. Seems like almost a cop out, but for this one, yeah, I, I totally feel that he went back to a little bit more of the instrumentals and um I appreciated it. Absolutely. Well, What's your uh, fifth and final album to discuss? Dude, my final album actually segues really perfectly from this one. My final album is The New Abnormal by The Strokes. Ah, yes. yes. And uh, pretty much ditto everything I just <laughs> said about Tame Impala. Um, the Strokes... Honestly, yeah. The Strokes were a band... Um, the Strokes stand out to me as having one of the best debut albums of any band uh, ever yes. bar 100%. none uh, oh my god is this it uh, that's an incredible record it's really hard to top that record i think it's fucking perfect man yeah. um i i am really into that album i i have uh, nostalgia with that album i i go back to it all the time uh, that's an incredible album man um the new abnormal to me, because for me, like the strokes, every album after that, they've drifted further and further from that. And, you know, that's fine. Like, I don't want, again, I don't want to, uh, you know, tell a band how they should sound or this and that, whatever, you know, like they, they can do what they want. But, um, and there are gems throughout every single one of their yeah. albums. I mean, um, they have incredible songs throughout every one of their albums. But as a holistic piece of music, I feel like they have yet to top. Uh, is this it but the new abnormal comes really goddamn close uh <laughs> yeah. this album yeah it's really fucking good uh the opening track the adults are talking 
to me, it strikes me as pretty close to a classic stroke song. It's got that uh, plucky, dry little guitars. They're running a drum machine in there, which is cool and stuff. But, um, you know, they, they start getting into some synthy stuff, but it's not as like gigantic, massive synthy as some of their other previous records have been. It's very tasteful. Um, they're drawing a lot from kind of 80s new wavy soundscape. In fact, some couple of songs specifically uh, uh, tracks three and four specifically yeah. uh, Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus and then Bad Decisions. Uh, Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus very much an 80s dance track very synthy it reminds me of new order like uh, blue monday and kind yeah. of stuff like that for sure but what's interesting is they followed up with track number four bad decisions which is also very 80s new wavy but it's like uh you know almost like modern english melt with you or, or new order age of consent or something it's the other side of that new wave 80s more instrumental like they're relying on their fucking incredible guitar players like albert hammond jr and uh uh uh, what's his name nico vorenzi uh yeah Uh, they're incredible guitar players in their own right neither one of those guys ever takes a virtuosic guitar solo but uh those guys hearing the guitar parts that they write together and intertwine it's kind of like listening to television if you ever listen to like marquee moon by television um uh it's incredible in fact Television was a New York band. Like you, it's very easy to draw a direct line from the Strokes to television, which is saying a lot. Like that is a huge compliment to these yeah. guys, and it's it's nice to see them leaning a bit more and referring more to that uh, history. To me, at least, um, the biggest part of this album for me uh, were the last three tracks. I thought the last three tracks sealed the deal on this album for me i i you know the the whole album was pretty cool uh but the last three tracks uh they they're epic uh each one in their own right and as a whole as an album ending sort of vehicle almost a medley it's not but almost a medley i was highly impressed um track number seven why are sunday so depressing uh super groovy uh they have this dual guitar melody and counter melody it's the simple driving bass line it goes back to their first album that you know that is the strokes that we know and love um the difference being that julian casablanca's vocals are absolutely beautiful it's not the gruff fucked up unpracticed yeah. one take vocals of the first album which i love don't get me wrong now, he has had some practice he gets to show off his fucking chops and it's cool to take the instrumentals of the first album and put his incredible voice now into that context Again, their first album's incredible, and his fucked up vocals lend to it, I think. Yes. But uh, it's cool to hear him really send some incredible, beautiful vocals over that same sort of instrumental style. It's beautiful. If you're a fan of The Strokes, you will love that. Um, the next song, uh, Not the Same Anymore, it has that really, really classic early rock and roll, almost doo y kind of chord progression uh, going on. Um 
again, it, it, it conjures up the images of earlier Strokes records with the dual guitar melodies um, that then come together and harmonize really nicely for the chorus. Um, and you do get a guitar solo, I assume, from both of the guitar players at the end of the song. I don't know who plays which, but there are two guitar solos. There's this very uh, dry, Stratocaster-y sounding guitar solo that I assume is Albert Hammond Jr. because uh, he loves that white Stratocaster. Uh, and then I assume the last one with the tremolo on it is uh, Nico Varenzi. I, I assume that's how it was. I don't know that for a fact, but it's cool to hear a dual guitar solo in a stroke song. Again, it's, it's taking these two very talented players and giving them a chance to shine. I feel like sometimes the strokes becomes essentially a Julian Casablanca's vehicle, which uh, he's a very talented guy and an incredible front man, but uh, it's nice to hear the other guys shine too. Yeah. Um, the, the final track is an absolute epic uh, ode to the Mets the Mets, baby. We love the Mets. <laughs> New York guys, of course. Super interesting. Comes in with this um, almost like a, uh, a modular synthesizer doing this um, very rhythmic arpeggio type thing. And then uh, one of the guitar players comes in with this little arpeggio over that. Totally polyrhythmic, totally out of key. The two do not match up at all. But they eventually fade out the synth and the rest of the band comes in to match up with the guitar. It's a super interesting effect. It's just one of those interesting little uh, pieces, little details that kind of sets the strokes apart from any other kind of, eh, you know, guitar based pop band, whatever. It's It just shows that little bit of like, hey, we've been here. We've done this. We know what the fuck we're doing. We know how to catch people off guard and do interesting stuff. I love to see it. Um, they come in, they do this beautiful kind of synthy classic strokes still um to me it was kind of a classic strokes chord progression and melody that's elevated by this they have a mellotron going which again it has a very vintage sound but it elevates kind of the the classic strokes vibe they're going for and uh julian casablancas comes in and he sings his first uh verse or whatever and it's a little more classic strokes it's not quite as nicely mixed and he kind of finishes a line he's kind of holding this note he's like uh oh hey uh drums please like <laughs> He cuts the line off to say, can you bring in, the, can you mix in the drums, please? And then they mix in the drums. So it's kind of this, it's this fun little nod to the DIY, uh, you know, it's total nod to their early stuff. And I love it, man. And they end it with a dual guitar outro. The two guitar players are harmonizing doing this outro, which if you know me, you know, I love that kind of shit. Thin Lizzy and stuff. Oh, it's beautiful to me. I love it, man. So this was an album that really uh, brought it all home for me. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this one. Totally. And uh, I don't have too much to add to that. I feel like you summarized it perfectly. Uh, basically, all my opinions are the same as yours. I don't have too much to add. I, I will just say, of course, you mentioned tracks three and four being uh, the vibe that I, of course, enjoy. And those were my two favorite tracks. So. You know me, and you know music so well, and you summarized that album perfectly. I, I don't even have much to add. Hell yeah, bro! That's the goal. That's the oh, goal. Oh, so um, <laughs> let's see. If I was if I was you hosting your show, I would. And we were talking about this album. A buzzword would have definitely been mentioned television. So drink yeah. for that. Fair, fair. I'll take a drink for that. 
and that'll do it. That's five albums from each of us. Uh, some of our, our top albums for 2020, even though it's kind of late, we're already almost done with January, but you know, it's never too late, right? I feel like, uh, it's a fun topic to discuss and it was really fun to, uh, chat about all these albums with you. I do want to do a couple more shout outs. Um, and these are not really going to be discussions. If you are listening and you've gotten this far, you probably trust our opinions so now I'm just going to like hit you with a list of, of music you should be aware of or check out. And we're not going to discuss it too much because we've gone on for a while. But if you don't know already, uh, Redefining Records, the page, we have a little cult. It's kind of like a collective that we have. It's got five musicians in it. These are some releases that happened in 2020 from cult members. Uh, first being, I already mentioned, Bra Heist 2006 which was John's album as Delta Dagger. Go check that out. And you also released uh, a Christmas song, Working Late on Christmas. That was really cool. So I did. Yeah, thank you. I, I have like barely promoted that. I wrote that like probably a year or two ago uh, and then like just finally released it. And I recorded that without a laptop wow. too. So that was kind of a fun process. That is yeah. fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was cool. I added it to my indie Christmas playlist. <laughs> nice man hey uh, as long as i can beat freaking paul mccartney uh wonderful christmas time i'm happy yeah, there you go um another cult member release uh one of my favorites and one of my top played uh things of the year really was uh the judd zingle project forgetting all my passwords ep really really good stuff there he's a former bandmate of mine and i love everything that aiden does um, and he's also been a guest on this show. He was episode one of Sound for Thought, and he was episode two of uh, two, right? Of Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords? Of Bands, Beers, Buzzwords. That's right. And in fact, uh, the Judd Zingle project was my, or actually, no, uh, it was a Judd Zingle song, was my number one song of 2020. Uh, my number one artist was actually Mac DeMarco, yeah. which is basic as shit. No, but, that's uh, okay. No, uh, Aiden's band had a song as my number one song. Yeah, and we'll get to why that was in a second. Um, (laughs) But I will mention also you were involved in his Sauna Sessions release, which was like kind of a live-ish album. that uh, Live from the studio. Yeah, live from the studio. Uh, Some A couple cover, I think maybe one or two covers, and then uh, some some versions of some of Judd Zingle's songs, and uh, it's a really cool really cool project you guys put together there and then he just released a single 2020 vision which was kind of like a cool uh more of a electronic ballad type thing i think beach house influenced uh recommend checking that out he hasn't promoted it hardly at all so i guess i have to promote it because i love him so much but uh check out 2020 vision uh another cult member of ours vaudeville revival Luke Colhane and Jake Marino, good friends of mine who have contributed to the site a lot. They released their second album, The Death of Los Angeles. Uh, great album, really cool songs on there. And they also released a handful of other singles after the album. Eclipsed was my favorite uh, single of theirs so far in their complete discography. Um, they also released Meanwhile at Saddle Ranch, which is kind of like a cool, epic, long uh, jam spoken word type thing uh, that I like a lot, and then the garden, and then see you run is a single they just released a few days ago. So go check out those things. 
a project we did earlier, if you missed it somehow. If you're listening here at this point, I don't think you've missed anything we've put out because you're obviously dedicated. But we did a cult covers project where we each person in the cult covered a song of another band in the cult, which has to do with why John's top song was a Judd Zingle song. So maybe you could explain that project, John. Yeah, so that uh, the cult covers, uh, basically, Andrew approached all the members of the cult and was like, hey, what if we all did kind of a, uh, what if we all swapped songs, we each picked a song by another member, and we wrote and recorded a cover version of it, we all put it out there. It's a super cool project. And um, I chose uh, one of your songs, Andrew. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, Time Well Wasted by... Uh, Time Magic Well fingers. Wasted. Yes, sorry. I totally blanked no, on that. Okay. Uh, Time Well Wasted by Magic Fingers. Um, and I actually put that on Brow Heist on yeah. my album because I, I liked how much it came out so much. That was kind of a Strokes inspired yeah. one. It's like what I was going for. It's, it's funny. It was right after the Strokes album came out. So I was really feeling the Strokes and I heard your original version and I was like, dude, I could kick this up a couple BPM and do kind of a Strokesy version of it. So that's what I went for and I, I tossed it on my album uh, just because I thought it was fun and I think it fits perfectly on there. So that was a ton of fun. I know Aiden did one of my songs. He covered Count to Four. In a super cool, uh, like smooth, jazzy kind of way. I think he did uh, great justice to it in in that sense because it is kind of a jazzy progression. Um, I loved it, man. I loved his version of it. Uh, I had a ton of fun with that. That was a fun project. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I gotta say, from a DIY musician perspective, who just kind of, you know, I, I don't spend most of my time working on my own music, but it's a hobby for me and. The experience of having somebody else being you cover one of my songs was was really kind of special for me, and I, I really love the rendition you did, and I think it's... Uh, I, I listen to your version of the song way more than I listen to my own version of the song now, so I thank <laughs> you for your rendition. I, I was really happy with it. Hell yeah, man. And what's funny is when I put out the album, I noticed like people, like friends of mine, were like, posting that song as like they're like yo go check out my buddy's that's album cool. i was like oh shit like it was kind of yeah. funny yeah it's like that's kind of a low-key favorite for a lot of people so yeah that's that's sick man i i appreciate you writing a sick song and you give me a lot to work with you know yeah it was a, it was a fun yeah, one that's cool um so yeah we uh it's on Bandcamp as like a uh, charity kind of donation i think it's four or five dollars you can buy the whole ep and we're still I'm still donating anyone who no one's bought it recently but if you want to buy it on Bandcamp the money will go to charity Music Cares is like an organization that's giving money to musicians and music industry people who need it during the pandemic um, I think we made about $50 which is pretty cool for me if you ask me um, that went to charity or you can find at least three or four of the songs on our own individual Spotify's. It's not posted as like a full EP because it was like a collaboration. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, John's song is on his album, Bra Heist. And my song's on Magic Fingers page. I, I covered Aiden's Show and Tell Kid. 
song we used to play in a band together called Frisian, and that was a song we would play live, so I really wanted to do that one. Uh, so that was a cool project. Yeah, if you haven't checked it out already, that was, that was a highlight of the year of 2020 for me. And then I'll just shout out a couple of friends of the pod, people who have been on Sound for Thought. There's a few really notable releases. Um, first being, this one barely didn't make my top five, but Diner's... Uh, 2020 album Leisure World was one of my favorites of the year uh, and Diners was my top played uh, artist of the year which was which was cool because I, I love Tyler so much uh, and uh, probably our 10,000th plug of the episode you should go listen to the episode with Tyler of this show I believe it was episode 22 I should know my own num- episode numbers but I, I don't know him that well, to be honest. But he was just a couple episodes ago, and uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, 22, I was right. So go listen to that. Go listen to his album, Leisure World, if you haven't already. He also released a, a New Year's song, which is really cool. Um, and who else? The Haunts, Max, Max Goldenstein, Max Collier, uh, good friends of the pod. They released a couple singles under The Haunts, New Mexico and Operator, and Max's EP, Loverboy. I could go on and on. Uh, a lot of cool people have been on this pod, and they're still putting out good music. So I recommend going, checking out old episodes. Just pick a random name, and I promise it's a cool musician, and you will find something that you like. And uh, that's it for me, pretty much. Go listen to this show. Go listen to Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords with John. It's a really cool new program that we're we're helping out with, and we're excited about and uh we're looking forward to hearing some new music in 2021 uh do you have anything to uh say here at the end john yeah uh 2021 um i will say i am uh planning a new delta dagger release for 2021 uh no hard hard dates on that yet but i do want to commit to a 2021 release um i've had a very fruitful a uh, couple of weeks here in terms of writing and recording some scratch tracks and getting those out to certain uh, friends of mine who I want to collaborate with. So there has been movement on it. The idea is I want to do a double album. Um, uh, Andrew, actually, uh, it was on your podcast that we came up yes. uh, with the name Macho Dumbass. Yes. Um, and I'm still on that name. In fact, I have taken that name to a new level where uh, the goal is to make it a double album. I'm really trying to do seven and seven nice. songs, 14 total. And the first side or the first album is going to be called Macho. <laughs> and it's going to be kind of a riff based rock and roll songs, the kind of shit I've somewhat avoided writing uh, recently, but I have a big backlog of them now. I'm going to fucking send them all out on Macho. Uh, they're all going to be kind of, uh, you know, they're going to be these super great, you know, riff driven rock songs, but the lyrics are going to be a little bit, uh, uh, satirical, uh, poking fun at certain elements of the modern digital music industry and, and other elements of modern, uh, culture that are kind of funny to me. And I want to do little vignettes in between essentially little Spotify commercials, uh, that'll take the maybe subtle lyrics and hit you over the head with the idea. And then the second half, Dumbass, is going to be... I'm trying to make it a medley. I really want it to be a seven-song nice. medley of mostly instrumental tracks that are through-composed and a little more out there and crazy and strange. And uh, 
you can listen to either side of the album at your own leisure. But uh, that's the goal. We'll see if it happens. <laughs> I am looking forward to hearing it. Sounds like a cool concept. Yeah. And, uh, well, we've gone a long time. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for subscribing and following us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, keep up with future episodes of this podcast and John's podcast, Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, by following us on Instagram at Redefining Records or following John at Delta Dagger Music. If you're following one or both of these accounts, you're going to get all the necessary updates to keep up with these shows. John, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having this. As always, yeah, thanks man. for having this long chat with me. It's it's so much fun to geek out and nerd out about albums with somebody. So it's been fun. It's been great, man. I'm sure you'll edit it down to like 30 minutes. So, yeah, it'll you know. be it'll be a really <laughs> concise two-hour <laughs> podcast. Sure, easily. We got that. <laughs> Hey, 10 albums. That's the big yeah, yeah. This is free. This is a free podcast. You don't have to pay any money to listen to this. This is this is just pure gold. Well, well, for now, I mean, I already have exclusive uh, Patreon content lined up for my podcast. I, I have some. You. Uh, that's good. I, you know, if you're listening now, you're probably a dedicated listener. So I will reiterate. Get your wallet. Yeah. Start <laughs> now. I was going to reiterate <laughs> that if you have feedback or ideas that you want to share, of course, reach out to us. And uh, one idea we've been bouncing around is eventually starting a Patreon where we can put some exclusive content, kind of behind the scenes stuff uh, that you wouldn't normally get on the main pod episodes. So if you're interested in any of that, please reach out. Let us know. That'd be super helpful. And uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. That's all I got too, man. Uh, once again, uh, just to repeat, I am John Paliasotti, Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, Delta Dagger Music on Instagram. And uh, again, I support Enver Hoja and his fight against the Peter Khrushchev. Um, that's Same. it. <laughs> um, I just realized I should do, you know, I always end my episodes uh, with a high five. I'll say, John, keep making cool shit. That's a little catchphrase that I like to say. And then also... We'll count down three to one and let's high five because that is a tradition on Sound for Thought. Are we are we high fiving on one or is it three it's, to it's one? It's three to one high five. Yeah, so it's not on okay. one, but right after one. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. And as always, it's perfect. Perfectly in sync. Exactly. We can auto tune that, quantize it. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll make it perfect. <laughs> Alrighty. Yes.
that is not enough of a pitch for you, you can go fuck yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 